0: Hi everybody and welcome to Therefore I Geek episode 143. I'm Andrew
1: and I am the red sparrow, the trans red sparrow, the trans pan gender red sparrow, post trans sparrow trans species i really like jennifer lawrence
0: i was just gonna i was gonna see how long you were gonna dig your, <laughs> dig that hole <laughs> yeah,
1: I, was gonna, I could be careful i could go for a while with that stuff
0: i know that's why i was curious how far you were <laughs> going to go
1: <laughs> i understand introductions need to be brief
0: all right folks so this week we are going to be talking about the passing of david ogden Styres, Quistin i keep on say quiston i don't know why I'm, I'm just going dumb here kristen wig being recruited as the villain for wonder woman 2
1: Who's that homeboy in college who had kind of a lisp like that he lived down the down the hall from me wicks wicks yes wicks always remember wicks anyway continue
0: and then the avengers release date has been moved up a week Woo! I'm, I'm sorry as a side note wicks is this guy's speech impediment was was interesting because he couldn't say r's in the middle of words
1: i know it was really like it was
0: it was odd and you couple that with like he was just kind of dumb like like speech speech impediment aside right he literally came up to a couple of friends of mine and asked in a very straight like very straightforward serious manner since when is there no w in (laughs) retard because in his mind right retard was spelled with a w
1: But if I remember correctly, he was actually a fairly accomplished—academically, Like he was fairly accomplished, wasn't he? He might have
0: been. I don't don't offhand recall. I just remember
1: living down the hall from him, and you know how you got the stars on your uniform for academic achievement? Yeah. He had a lot of them. (laughs) He had a lot of them. I don't remember his major. I don't remember what he was doing. We're just saying, he had a lot
0: of them. Yeah, he he well, he was just a, a weird guy. He, yes, that was true.
1: I, he he would run down the hallway with a sword.
0: Yeah, you should have seen his car too. Oh God, I can only imagine. Passenger seat was a beanbag chair. It's <laughs> awesome. Because he broke the driver's seat having sex with a girl, and then so he moved the drive the passenger seat to the driver's side. <laughs> yeah, Good times. all kinds Good of time. crazy. College was college was an interesting time. David Ogden yeah. Stiers. Let's do it. <laughs> so dead. He's not alive. Yeah. yeah. So, Sad. so Stiers uh, passed away yesterday at age seventy-five. I didn't realize that he was in. He was younger than I thought he was. Right. Uh, Stiers is best known for playing uh, Major Charles Winchester on Mash, and he did over one hundred and thirty episodes. Fun, fun part about that show is the show actually lasted almost three times longer than the Korean War itself.
1: Yeah, that always I, I love that little piece of trivia.
0: Korean War lasted just under three years, and Mash went on for eleven seasons.
1: And one of the biggest finales in cinema history probably up until Seinfeld. It, it yeah, I wouldn't be surprised.
0: Good. I wouldn't actually be surprised if it had beaten out Seinfeld. Cause again, it was back in the day with, you know, still three channels.
1: Sure. Sure. i to look up some of the other stuff because I remember watching MASH when I was a kid with my grandmother in Bayonne. Yeah. But... I, mean,
0: I, I love MASH. So he also didn't, he did, he had, he was on an episode of Star Trek, the next generation. He had a, that was
1: the episode with the, the society that when you turn 60, you had to die, right? Yes. Was that? Yes. I remember that episode.
0: Uh, he had a recurring role on *Stargate Atlantis*, and he did voiceover work for Disney. So he was Cogsworth in *Beauty and the Beast*. He was uh, Radcliffe, the villain in *Pocahontas*. He was the Archdeacon in *Hunchback of Notre Dame*, and he was Jumba in *Lilo and Stitch*, mm-hmm. uh, among some other more minor roles. Yeah, but a long,
1: long time television actor.
0: Yes, and and again, talented. Yes. always, always. I always enjoyed watching him on on screen. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was funny because. Uh, Becky actually used a Cogsworth quote uh, from us from Valentine's Day. There's the there's the point where Beast is trying to figure out how to how to win Belle's heart, and one of the, one of the things that Cogsworth uh, rattles off as an option is his promises you don't intend to keep. <laughs> And Becky made a joke about that uh, for our uh, Valentine's Day gift, um, oh. but yeah, so unfortunate. But you know, I mean, as far as I know, we're all mortal. Yep. So what do you, what do you think about since you posted this on the on the Facebook yeah. page, Kristen Wiig being recruited for villain role in Wonder Woman?
1: So here's what's crazy: is I really do like Kristen Wiig. I I was not a big, I've not been a big SNL fan for a very long time, but I felt well the times I watched it, you know, intermittently, I. I thought they overused Kristen Wiig, but not because, not for, in a bad way, it was that she, to me, was the most talented person on that cast for a very long time. Right. Because it felt like she was in every sketch and she was a different character. And that's where she really won me over As I think she's just a fantastically talented performer. And a fantastic comedic performer. Uh, so I have a bit of a bias here because I'm so used to her as that role, and and, and I enjoy her in movies where she's that role. I think you know, and care for the Ghostbusters film, but in in a number of other movies, I've really enjoyed her work as a villain in a superhero movie. I I'm not sure I'm okay with this. I I think I'm gonna have a really hard time taking that visual in and and processing it seriously yeah it's just it's gonna be just silly to me and it's like i can't you know i don't know how they're gonna roll with this i think the rumor is that they want her as um cheetah or something yes so i don't know much about that character um i'm sure that they'll kind of Kristen wig eyes it to make it a little more um you know funny to kind of play to some of her strengths or improv strengths but I don't know how that's gonna come off. I mean, I mean, I'll be impressed with Paul, but I, 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 think there's a couple other actresses I think I would rather see in this, in the super, in the Wonder Woman follow-up.
0: Sure. So part of my my hesitation, I, I agree, she's extremely talented. That a lot of the that type of comedy though just doesn't appeal to me. That cringe that cringeworthy humor.
1: Very, the very uncomfortable situation type. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about.
0: Yep. I mean, in general, that doesn't doesn't usually appeal to me. So. And again, that 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 right there is just a matter of personal taste. I can accept that she right. is a talented individual without loving what she's doing.
1: Well, and the thing is, like, I've always been a fan of that kind of humor, but I understand it has its place. Sure, the and other kind of like that's been my point here is like, yeah, just, just don't that shouldn't be in Wonder Woman.
0: Yeah, the other thought though is that I, I, obviously we we've talked at length about DC looking for a new direction. Sure, and I I don't think this is it. And the reason I say that one because the first Wonder Woman is the most successful of the DC film so far mm. and although they're looking for a new tone like they don't need to take that film and go like completely in the opposite direction
1: right if it's not broken you don't need to fix this one
0: right and in general this strikes me as dc having lost a kind of unified tone a unified voice mm-hmm. so so i am totally down for cheetah being the villain for the new wonder woman i'm not like uber uber familiar with it with the character right. I'm... I'm not either. I'm not even remotely familiar with it. <laughs> I've gotten a little bit of an introduction to the character on Greg Rucka's last run of Wonder Woman, which I really enjoyed. Mm-hmm. But I think the character would work well, especially in in the DC universe, where they're a little bit more open to the kind of over the top or supernatural or like the less mundane kind of villains. Mm-hmm. You know, like, given the villains they've chosen. I mean, they had Ares, they had I don't even know what the fuck to call it from Suicide Squad, but yeah, you the. Know. W- the <laughs> The,
1: um, those kind of inflatable wiggle worm things in front of used car dealerships—that's what I would describe it as.
0: Right, but it's some kind of supernatural something. Right, and you had
1: Steppenwolf, which yep. was the villain in Just League, which is a band. Right. I mean, really, the only vision I really, I, the only villain I, I like so far in the in the DC films was Ben Zod. I still think that was my favorite one. Really, you like? I,
0: I know you liked I, Lex Luthor. You like Zod more than Luthor?
1: Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like
0: okay, so well, I, it,
1: I, it's not that I liked Luthor. I just didn't hate him on the level you did like i've never believe it or not i don't know if i mentioned this like luther is not one of my favorite villains oh like, no no, no. I,
0: I absolutely know i know that for a fact that that in general you think lex luther is not a particularly strong villain right. i was just i thought that particular portrayal you had had sold you
1: i like the portrayal yes but i'm just talking about as villains right so that, that was like of the group i think zod was my favorite okay um, I mean like I like Jesse I, I I did like that version of Lex Luthor more than others but it doesn't doesn't say that Luthor's now a good villain to me. I sh- I should probably have made that a little more clear. But that's where I am with that.
0: I mean that was like like 3 years ago so i don't yeah, know yeah i mean look i you I've you, you, you you may have made perfectly well like made it perfectly clear at the time and i just stopped paying attention
1: or or i could have completely forgot what i said 3 years ago and i'm trying to make it up on the spot right now
0: also true it both could be <laughs> for all we know both are both, both is happening are right, right now. Dude. yeah that's um, so. No, I, I I would agree. I like Zod, but, you know, Marvel's villains have tended to be more mundane and I think yeah. more directly counterpart.
1: Yeah, kind of the, the Nega version of the hero. I yes. Mean, we've, you've, we've talked about it. George R. R. Martin, I think, wrote an article about it at one point. You got, we went through it. We went down at one time and we just got it recently with Black Panther. We had Killmonger, who I, I guess the character, is Gold Jaguar? Is that what it is? Yeah. Is that what it's called? Yes, yeah, so you got Gold Jaguar. It's like, okay, yeah. they always do that.
0: Yeah, so I think cheetah because there is a, a supernatural element involved um would work perfectly well mm-hmm. i just yeah i don't think kristen wig is the person to do it
1: yeah i'd be curious to see I mean, she's the only one who's been rumored for it i would be curious i mean this happens a lot is like how many times have you gone through the imdb trivia section and they and they mention a character and like all the other actresses or actors they've you know spoken to to play a specific role oh sure. like i'd be i'd be curious to see who else is there talking about and i'm also curious because i don't have my finger on this pulse if um the dc fans have a particular character actor they want for that character um if that starts to steamroll yeah, or snowball
0: yeah we'll see we'll see so last up we've got the fact that disney has moved up the release date for avengers by a week yes Which I think is a smart move on their part. I do too, although I'm kind of curious why they moved Avengers up. So, in kind of looking at this, what best we can tell is they're moving this up to give Solo some extra time. Yes
1: that's what that would be my guess some some
0: space so that you know avengers doesn't still win out a weekend against you know avengers as a four week old three week old movie doesn't beat out a brand new star wars film right because there is a lot of things up up in the air about this particular uh this particular star wars film yes so i mean obviously we'll kind of see how how it goes but i i think it's interesting that they chose to move avengers up instead of solo back
1: yeah, I, that's the thing. So I'm I'm trying to look at um, a lineup of movies right now, and maybe it's that they just really want to win May because ro- rolling solo back would would kind of make a little more sense to me than, than than moving Avengers up. Now that I'm looking at it, because I can understand one reason for moving Avengers up would be that if you put it out the fourth, that gives you a couple weeks before Deadpool comes out on the eighteenth. Yeah. Um. So you know why if it. It was on, coming out the 11th, and then Deadpool's the very next week. That's that's. I mean, that do, that does Deadpool some favors too. And then Solo comes out the 25th. But to your point about moving. Solo back to June. Just looking at the list right now, there's nothing in June. One, the, the only thing that I that could be kind of made note of in in on June 8th is Oceans 8, which I don't think is going to be a big deal. And then Avengers 2, excuse
0: me, uh, Incredibles 2 on the 15th, which is again also a Disney film. Disney's going to have a it's fucking hell of a summer.
1: Yeah, and then and then at the end of June you have Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom on the 22nd. So yeah, I mean if Moving Avengers to June one, I keep saying, or moving Solo back to June one would make a little sense. But then again, you don't want to bump into Incredibles. Maybe they're just trying to space out the group a little bit better. And then, then,
0: and then July sixth is Ant Man, Ant and Wasp. Right. I mean, Disney is going to have an insane summer.
1: Yeah, no, that much. That much is is clear. I think. Yeah, I would. I, maybe just just it's a spacing issue. That if you push Solo back, you kind of because of the summer you're kind of pushing up everything that's kind of that's or scrunching up everything that's set to come down the tubes. That's possible. And and then if you just move Avengers up a week, I mean, what the hell are you running into in April? Uh, A whole lot of nothing.
0: Yeah. The other thing it tells me is that rampage that they are very, very confident in Avengers. Yeah, I would be too. I mean, if they're, I mean, usually it's that like, all right, we got to hurry up. We got to finish. We got to finish. We got to finish. And they're saying we're so good that we can actually release it a week early.
1: Yeah, so April 27th instead so of the previous March, uh, May 4th. Yeah, I mean I,
0: I also uh I also do like how they uh how they announced it. <laughs> I don't know if you if you saw they got Robert Downey Jr. involved and he started tweeting at Disney asking if he could see the movie early. Right. And then they're like, "Yeah, sure." And then he's like, "Can I bring some friends?" And like he's like they're like, "Yeah, you know, how many?" And he's like, "Everyone."
1: Yeah, the entire world.
0: Yeah. I was like that's just that was a, a Cleverly done little bit of, of marketing.
1: Yes, I would say so. Which I think this is gonna be just could be I would be confident in it too. This could be a
0: huge hit. Yes. I mean I'm I'm excited for it. I, I uh, do yeah, love I think, me some some Thanos and some infinity infinity gems.
1: Yeah, I think uh this'll be this'll be a big hit. I'd be curious to see how it comes off. Uh-huh. I think it's gonna make a boatload of cash. Um now will it do Black Panther money? That remains to be seen. But
0: uh I kinda suspect I kinda suspect it will.
1: I, I mean, you could. I mean, I, I'm not going to rule it out. Um, but where where it will fall into that, I, I'd be really curious. It's going to be interesting. It's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I'm actually, this is one of the few Marvel movies I'm actually really curious to see how they pull this one off. I mean they've been working towards this for like what, 9 years? 10. 10. So, yeah, this is uh this will be interesting.
0: Yeah, I don't know of any other film franchise that is, that has been, you know, eight that is 18 films in, you know, and all of them have been pointing towards this po- like if oh yeah, I'm if, if nothing if nothing else, like this is just a a significant like achievement in filmmaking.
1: Absolutely, yeah. I've and I've said this to a couple of friends like how uh when this is all said and done, when when this Marvel thing gets wrapped up, how this will be viewed and in, in discussed and analyzed in cinema history is gonna be really interesting to me in the in the near future. Just an analysis of how well they planned this, pulled this off, cast it, marketing it. It really is an achievement. Now I say what you want about the films. To me it's it's a real achievement.
0: Now what I'm also gonna be really curious to follow on is how they transition into the Marvel universe going forward after the second film.
1: Yeah. That's another like, what comes next? I, I really is have they have you seen any hints to that? Because I don't I have I don't have my finger on this pulse either
0: um well i, I do think the acquisition of the fox rights mm-hmm. will be helpful because they sure. are going into some of the territory like captain marvel is going to be facing off against scrolls mm-hmm. um so with the introduction introduction of the Skrulls some people have been speculating that they're actually going towards a secret invasion storyline which is where the Skrulls infiltrated the Marvel Universe and replaced a bunch of heroes sure so we'll kind of see we'll kind of see on that one but I think the inclusion of like Fantastic Four and X-Men gives them some of the ability to do some other very big stories that they didn't have access to before they could redo (coughs) Galactus right so we shall see yeah
1: So, all right, so that said, uh, I saw a couple movies. Have you seen
0: anything lately? Uh, I did start watching Brockmire, but other than that, no. So let's let's, let's talk about the movies you saw and then we can get into the rest of what we've been into. Okay, yeah. Um,
1: I I saw The Post on Thursday. So when we did our Oscar episode two, three weeks ago, um, I think the one film none of us had seen was The Post right partially because no one none of us wanted to see the post
0: that's not true i wanted to see the post i just you want to see it i get i I like films about journalism there's it's something there's something weird about me yeah so
1: no some of them are really really great and so if you like a movie for instance like all the president's men you might be interested in this because this movie starring steven spielberg
0: and Uh, meryl uh, streep tom hanks and meryl streep but
1: Tom, H- Tom Hanks, Meryl Street directed by Steven Spielberg, uh, takes place just sometime right before the Watergate or, or the events of all the president's men. Uh, yeah, I want to say it's like six, month, six
0: months to a year before.
1: Yeah. And it's very, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's an interesting story. I just, to me, I don't quite know how it translated to cinema. I don't think it translated to film very well. Yeah. And I like Spielberg and it was just, as far as a Spielberg film, visually it was fairly bland. Uh, Tom Hanks, with that he had that funny gravelly voice that sounded like a, it sounded like a parody, like a parody voice that didn't do much for me. And I'll be honest. I didn't, Care for the Katherine Graham? There's like two subplots. It's the post trying to pick up the scoop that the New York Times beat them to, and then trying to get around the injunction that the courts drop on the New York Times regarding the Pentagon Papers. Right. And then there's this whole, what is Katherine Graham doing at the same time? And for me personally, every time the movie switched to the Meryl Streep sequence and the Katherine Graham stuff, I felt like I, I had this kind of sense of loss. Like, wait, no, go back to the newsroom because what was going on in the newsroom was far more interesting. So, it, to me, I think I would have enjoyed this more if it were really just the newsroom sequences. And so if you like movies about journalism, you'll enjoy the stuff in the newsroom, getting the scoops, talking to the guy, the discussions about whether they should print or not. And then all the Catherine Graham stuff, I just couldn't, I couldn't find interesting. And then towards the end, I don't know if there were reshoots, but there's some serious eye-rolling sequences where you feel like the script was written to talk directly to you. Like, at the very end of the movie, there's a line where Meryl Streep is talking to, or talking to Tom Hanks, and she's like, you know, my husband used to say that newspapers are the first draft of history. We might not always get it right, but we're very important. And I'm like, are, am I being preached to right now? Right. Like, it feels like I'm being preached to right now. It was a little too much. Um, there there's a couple moments like that right around the beginning. It's starting with, like, the, the end of the Supreme Court sequence where it was like, oh, come on. This is getting... A little ridiculous so having now seen all the the oscar films nominated for best picture i certainly think the post is one of the weaker ones certainly not one that i felt angry towards like call me by your name or or something like that but one that i was like i just kind of shrugged off like okay it was nice but but big deal uh i'm still of the opinion at this point that three billboards is going to walk away with most of the awards tonight in fact as we're recording this yep they have tonight so that was that was it for me so on friday so there's a couple movies i did want to see that i wish we got a chance to talk about um annihilation red sparrow and death wish yep. and i know a, a lot of people were not interested in some of these but i didn't get to see annihilation or death wish i just didn't have the time i forgot ufc 222 was last night so i was like well we're not going to the movies tonight. We're going to watch the fights. But I did see Red Sparrow. And here's what's funny about Red Sparrow is r- the reviews were very, very mixed for, for Red Sparrow. And I I saw an article that late, uh, about all the kind of critics that were really like beating the crap out of the movie for the sex and violence and the nudity of Jennifer Lawrence in the film. And then they used a key phrase called sexploitation film, which immediately popped up on my radar because I, when I was in college, I really enjoyed those mid seventies to early eighties, you know, sexploitation films, the, the shafts, the rolling thunders, the miss 45, the spit on your grave, like all those movies from the seventies. I really, really enjoyed them. And critics were panning it for that because I think a lot of critics have just kind of moved on from it. But to me, I I thought I was going to get a kind of a throwback kind of, I've kind of had a found a new founder appreciation for spy thrillers. I really do like Jennifer Lawrence, so I jumped into the movie like head first, and I still enjoyed it. But man, did I think that the critics really overstated, particularly the nudity in the film. Yeah, it was, it was really just one scene where she's naked and visibly naked, or which you kind of saw all the you know squishy bits that get blurred out on television. But other than that, it's. She's naked in certain sequences, but she's not visibly naked. She's, you know, strategically covered up because either she's hunched over or tied up or there's she's still wearing clothes. And, yeah, the scenes are weird. The whole school sequence in the beginning is very 1970s uh, sexploitation style, very bizarre, uncomfortable sexual situations. You know, there's rape scenes, there's torture scenes, there's you know, uh, handoffs and all that kind of stuff you'd expect from a spy film that I quite, quite enjoyed. Audience members in my theater, seven of them walked out before the first 30 minutes of the film, the people who stayed applauded. So if you're like me and you like those kind of throwback movies with with sex and violence and sexual violence and spies and drugs and betrayals and double crossing, this is your kind of movie if you're if it's not then you know i would just avoid it it just if it just doesn't tickle your those kind of parts that pushes the right buttons for you don't don't see it it did okay this week at 17 million but on a 69 million budget that's i have a hard time believing this is gonna turn a profit it might break even for all i know but i don't i don't know if this movie has an audience anymore that kind of movie
0: yeah has i, an I was gonna say i think like 69 million dollars is is a, is a- reasonable budget under normal circumstances right this might just be an oddball enough weird enough movie that they've they've just lost whatever possible audience they could have had
1: yeah audiences are just not kind of doing it's definitely oddball and weird and disturbing and out of the norm like it's just not something you would regularly see
0: well because i mean like and you, I, you and i have talked about how how down we are for the like return of the cold war spy thriller yes and well, I, think, I think if off. they had gone a little bit more generic with it, they may have done better. Maybe, yeah, it's true, because like I said, I, the,
1: the audience for that kind of sexploitation-style film just doesn't seem to be around anymore. I still love them, don't get me wrong, and it was refreshing to me to see one made in 2018. But what's interesting is it's, it's, not, a, it's not set in the Cold War. So I was actually talking about this when we came in. It's set today. It's it's a modern-day film, and I remember walking up and going, why did they call it Red Sparrow? Because red is an obvious connection to the Cold War. Right. Like, communism had nothing to do with communism. It had nothing to do with the Soviet, Soviet Union's gone. Like, they, there's a lot of lines in there about state control and being a patriot that are very, you know, communist in in nature, in tone. But it's not Cold War at all. It's just, it's kind of like a modern spy thriller. and it But, but with a Cold War plot to it. And I don't know, I think that was another thing that it threw me off. For the first five minutes, I was like, whoa, those are modern cars. I thought we were in the 80s. But it, that's not the case. And so I don't even. I, I think that's another layer that might turn some people off. If you wanted a Cold War thriller, set it in the Cold War. If right. you didn't, make it clear that it's not. And maybe you would have found a, a, a larger audience for it. Yeah. That was, was really weird. If they just called it Sparrow, I think them probably would have gone a long way. The whole Red Sparrow thing, I think to most people, God, oh, it's, it's a Cold War story. And yeah. It really wasn't. So, oh. uh, so what else would you a been It's a shame probably not going to do well, but. I I enjoyed it. I didn't see
0: Deathwish. What else have you been into?
1: Uh, I got a new game, you know, you and I both really like war games and RTSs and I got this game It was on sale on Steam for 50% off so I'm I'm not one to pass up a game for percent off called uh, Ultimate General Civil War and it's tricky. It's pretty intricate. It's kind of like an RPG game in the sense that your character and your army level up with you as you fight battles and you expand the army as you are successfully fighting battles and you have to equip them with weaponry and it's organized for you in in the system that the civil war was fought in so you you organize it by core division and brigades sure and you pick who's in charge and how much experience they have and what the rank is and you level them up and then when they take casualties you gotta replenish the casualties and you gotta make sure you got enough guns and cannons to replenish them and stuff like that it's it's fun it's first couple rounds i went through it i got my butt whooped because um, goddamn, veter- the difference between veterans and rookies is a mile apart. And they they make sure of that. And I started playing it, started to get the hang of it, started to build up a second core, felt really good. And what's cr- great is you play kind of like game-specific missions, and then you have to fight a historical battle, which is really cool. And so I got through the battle of the first battle of Bull Run, okay, played a few more missions to build up the army, and then the battle, the of- first day of the battle of Shiloh occurs. And half my army got chewed to pieces. Damn. And now I have to fight the second day, the counterattack of the Battle of Shiloh, and I'm like, with what army? <laughs> like, what's left? So I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed that very much. Um, yeah, that's really about it. I I, ta- I know I said I was going to give you a report on the board game, but I didn't get a chance to play it. So uh, it's been it a pretty quiet day. I got a couple free books um, from a friend of mine, so I'm I'm just kind of paging through some light reading. I've got uh, Economics in One Lesson by Henry Hazlitt, which has actually given me an idea for something. But uh, I'll, I'll, if that ever occurs, I'll, I'll either talk about it or if I decide I'm not going to go through with it, I will throw it out to the ether and hope someone else picks it up. But that, that's been it
0: for me. Cool. Um, it's been a little, little bit of a crazy week for me, so I haven't gotten a chance to take in quite as much stuff as I would have liked to. I will say, uh, Becky and I got to go to the theater today, or not today, um, on Wednesday. We went and saw A Gentleman's Guide to Love and Murder, mm. which is really, really, really funny. It's a musical, takes place in Edwardian, England. And the main character on upon the death of his mother finds out that he's actually a member of a very well-to-do family called the Dysquiths, mm. and that he is actually ninth in line of succession for the earldom that they have. <laughs> so he goes about offing all other eight people in front of him. <laughs> And the one of the funnest, well, one of the best parts about it is that um, the eight people in line in front of him, both male and female, are all played by the same actor.
1: Oh, it's one of these.
0: Yeah, uh, it's really, really, really entertaining, though. Very good. Yeah. I like stuff like that. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. The guy who does who does all the dice with did a did a fantastic job, and actually um so becky and i were looking at the the playbill and one of the the one of the women who played a, a smaller role and then was also in the ensemble i was looking at her like that name looks really familiar and so does that picture so then i i we looked at the bio and uh i knew i i recognized what school she went to and uh turns out she was uh roommates with sweetmates mates with one of my ex girlfriends oh god so, no i mean it, it it's lex so we're still on good she and i are still on good speaking terms oh,
1: okay
0: i was like yeah Okay, I, I I have met her. Like she's really familiar, so that that was that was fun to fun to discover. Uh, aside from that, I started watching Brock Meyer.
1: Is, uh, is on my on on my recommendation? Is that is that finally what tipped you over?
0: I had forgotten about it until you brought it up last time. So yes. 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 Yeah. Oh my think? God, it's funny. I'm only. I'm oh, only, oh, yes. I'm Super only two funny. episodes in, but I love the point at which, like after after he and Amanda Pete hook up the first time, like the next day, and he's just sitting there puking up Sambuca. <laughs> yeah. Yes. And like you can hear it over the over the the, the PA system, and like everyone just kind of stops, and he just like looks up, he's like as a public service announcement, Sambuca takes b- tastes better on the way out.
1: Yeah. <laughs> and, like, that it is. I, I love Hank Azaria. I'm so glad he got a chance to do something like that. Yeah, and I really want see season. It it really does just keep getting better as it goes on. So I'm glad you're watching. I think you'll enjoy it.
0: No, I I really am am quite enjoying it. So, that that's a lot of fun right now. Um... What else was there? There was something else.
1: A Vigi game? Board game? Comic book? Book?
0: Oh, no. Although, there is a game I, I do want to try that I heard about. It's called Tropico. That... Hmm. Where basically you play, like, a Banana Republic dictator. Oh, I'm already sold. Right. So, you need to, like, you know, build up the tourist areas and, like, you know, make your people live in, live and work in the slum. Like...
1: Oh look at this! There's a bunch of them.
0: Yeah, there's a new one coming out uh, sometime this year. Okay, um, I'm
1: looking at the most recent one appears to like I have access to is Tropical Five. Yeah, Tropical Six
0: for... is coming out this year. Okay, cool. That, interesting. But like you can you can do like really weird stuff. Like I guess you can pick from like several different island dictators, or you can make your own and <laughs> give them give them like weird perks. So the <laughs> the, the podcast I was listening to, to to Fear the Boot and they were talking about it. The guy was saying he made his character super religious and a vigilante by night (laughs) so it's like a super catholic version of batman in in a south american dictator
1: oh this is is awesome
0: yeah it's like this Um, this could be a lot of fun
1: i'm I'm glad you brought this up i'm looking at the trailer now and it it's it's like it's it's like a evil version of sim city it is oh i love this Um, this is cool
0: and the last thing, so I went out with uh, out for a couple of beers with our friend Kyle, and I had two beers, and I'm going, like, second beer, I was like, man, I'm really kind of feeling this. Mm. I get home, like, I'm still like, man, I'm, I'm still kind of feeling this. And then afterwards, I finally, like, look up, and I was like, yo, I was like, you know, I really like that second beer I had. Like, what was it? And it was, a, it was a rye beer. And then I look, and it's 12% by volume. Oh, damn. I was like, that explains a lot of, as to why <laughs> I'm feeling as buzzed as I am. Is most yeah. beers are, like, anywhere from, like, 6 maybe 8%, like, like, high, high percentage beers you know typically are in like the eight to nine percent range this was 12.
1: yeah that's something i'm trying to remember you when when i was drinking i used to drink spottin all the time and i know that was a high ish but i think it was in the you know nine range eight to nine range 12 is, 12 is a lot. I'm sure if I drink it, I just pass out like right away. I haven't had alcohol in so many years. Oh, I lost you.
0: No, you didn't. I was just looking up. Oh, you're looking up I the was...
1: alcoholic content of Spottin? Yeah,
0: because no, because I remember drinking a lot of Spottin with you. Yeah. Those were good times in, in college because, you know, we had like, if we timed it right, our, uh, our professor... Cause we went drinking with a couple professors. If we timed it right, he would end up buying most of our beer because he was drinking so fast.
1: Yeah, that was really amazing. That <laughs> was really, really something Well, because all day. Because a
0: couple of them got got a, got you and I down to five minute pints.
1: Oh yeah, yeah yeah yeah. Um,
0: we but even at five minute pints, he was still drinking two two for everyone we were.
1: Yes. Yes. Uh,
0: spotting is five point two percent by volume.
1: Oh wow. Okay. So yeah, I would have died.
0: <laughs> if I drank what you, did, I would have died. Fuck you. Yeah, yeah. Remember 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 the do you. I don't know if you remember and I, and I bring this up because it is convention related. Do you remember the point at which you and I realized that 5-minute pints were no longer required?
1: Um were yes, was this when we went to the convention? We were staying at, on 50th Street and we got ripped and then for some reason had Chris pick us up at the bar.
0: Yeah, so so we went yeah, to I do remember this. We left New York Comic Con. We hadn't eaten anything all day and we were dehydrated.
1: Oh, by like a lot.
0: Yeah. And then went promptly went to the Hollywood cocktail lounge. Yeah, which is that was that was a particularly special dive bar
1: yep and then i think we worked our way over to either manitoba's or ace bar in alphabet city
0: it's manitoba's yeah um because i remember we had a beer you and i both so at that point that was beer number three you stepped outside to call chris for beer number four i finished my beer and started staring yours down <laughs> it was like i was like man if he doesn't get back in here i'm gonna start drinking his beer you were outside for two minutes <laughs> i thought you were gone for half an hour
1: yeah it was what what amazes me is that it would not have taken us much effort to make it back to the hotel
0: no so we called chris to come pick us up chris drive drove to manhattan from his house in queens picked us up dropped our drunk asses off at the hotel and then drove back to queens at like (laughs) one in the morning
1: i can't believe we convinced him to do that
0: yeah, I don't know how we did either. Oh well,
1: yeah, that was that was that was
0: funny. But that was the point where, like, I think the next day it was like, yeah, we really don't need to drink that fast anymore, we don't do we? Do that
1: anymore? <laughs> <laughs> we can enjoy life. What's wrong with you, kid? <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, that was that was a good time. But whoa, man. Oh, good times. Yeah. All right, folks. If you like what we do, make sure you head over to thereforgeek geek.com. You can check out our blog posts and our podcast. You can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And you can find this podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, and Stitcher. <laughs> So once again I'm Andrew. I'm dude. And you've been listening to Therefore I Geek.